Luke chapter number 14. And I sure appreciate the Word of God we've already heard tonight. And I uh, love Brother Barnes. I say it everywhere I go. I don't know an evangelist that will help your church any better than Brother Bobby Barnes. I mean that. Uh, he's helped our church so many times preaching to us. And uh, loves, the, loves the Lord, loves the church. Always preaches the Bible. Amen. And you don't have to worry about him going to hurt you. And I appreciate that. And he'll preach on sin. We certainly need more of that in this day and hour. And uh, thank God for John 3.16. Amen. Uh, no matter how many times you've heard it, if you consider the fact that there are those who've never even heard it once, that ought to make us want to shout every time we hear somebody preach from John chapter 3 and verse number 16. I praise God for the message tonight. If you're able to stand with us, love Brother Randy and Concord Baptist Church and thank God for them and Faith Baptist Camp and a wonderful crowd for Monday night. Amen. And uh, appreciate how God has just blessed this place and uh, thank God for the good youth choir. Wasn't that wonderful tonight uh, to hear the choir and I praise God for what he's doing and how God is just blessing Concord Baptist Church and we praise God for that. Luke chapter number 14. Just want to read a few verses of scripture and uh, I didn't come to preach this message tonight and don't have my notes just wrote some things down but it just really uh, it was on my heart as I was sitting back there and I want to obey the Lord and do what God would have me to do and so you pray with us and for us that God would help us Luke chapter 14 and verse number one the Bible says and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief priests to eat bread on the Sabbath day that they watched him and behold, there was a certain man before him which had dropped the dropsy. And Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. And he took him and healed him and let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him again, to these things. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray in Jesus' name, God, that you'd help us tonight. I realize that without you, there is no preaching, and Lord, we need you tonight. We want to thank you for the word of God that we've already heard, and for your servant. I pray, God, that you'll, uh, Lord, bless now, Lord, the reading of thy word. I ask you to speak to us, and through us, help us, Lord, receive with meekness the engrafted word. Lord, I pray tonight that we'd see no man save Jesus only. May you be exalted in our midst, and may hearts be helped, and may your name be glorified tonight. May you be pleased with our worship. We'll love you and we'll praise you and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number one. I want you to notice just a few things and then I'll give you the thought that God has laid upon our heart. I want you to see first of all uh, the, the phrase in verse number one that opens this text here as the Bible says, and it came to pass. Now uh, that is a, a, a very familiar phrase that we've read many times throughout the word of God, but we ought to be reminded that all things will one day come to pass. And in our text tonight, when you think about the subject, that we're going to deal with, it will be a great blessing to know as it was in our Lord's life and as it will be in your life and my life, it'll all be said that one day, thank God, it came to pass. And so I consider this phrase and then we think about the place in our text tonight. Notice in verse number one that it says that and it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees. Now, that's an interesting phrase because Jesus has been 
given an invitation to go into the house of one of the chief Pharisees. Now, if you know anything about Jesus and the Pharisees, you know that they, uh, the Pharisees were not f- uh, fond of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they did not want to uh, have anything to do with him. In fact, they were enemies of Christ, even though Christ was not their enemy, but they had made Christ their own enemy. They had turned against him. And so it's interesting that one of them would invite Jesus over uh, to their house. And so we think about the place and we think about the phrase. And and then we consider the purpose in this text. As the Bible says here that uh, he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. Uh, that's even more interesting to me that the Pharisee, uh, Pharisee would give Jesus an invitation uh, to come over and to break bread. The breaking of bread was a symbol of fellowship. It was a symbol of gathering around the table and unity. If you know anything about this text, you know that uh, that's under false pretense, amen? That's a trap that they're wanting to set for our Savior. They're really not interested in fellowshipping with him. They're not interested in breaking bread with him and the purpose is a false purpose. You know that's how the devil always works. Amen. He may tell you there's going to be bread on the table uh, but you'll wind up in the back in a hog pen with nothing more than a bucket of slop. Amen. And so we see here the Pharisee or the purpose and we see the place and we see the phrase uh, and then I think the period is important. The Bible says here uh, to eat bread on the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day is interesting in this text because it's mentioned in verse number one. Christ mentions it again in verse number three and then he mentions it a a second time in verse number five. In fact, the emphasis here uh, that surrounds this story, it's all about the Sabbath day. We'll say more about that in a moment. And so I think about the, the period. But when you get to the last phrase of our text, I want you to see the pressure as the Bible says, that they watched him. Jesus goes into this house and he's been given an invitation to come to this chief Pharisee's house to uh, to supposedly eat bread. And he goes in the house and as he enters the house and as he sits down, they all just watch him. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be stared at. I'm a little nervous right now because all of y'all are staring at me. And I'm telling you, there's not a person in this room. At least smile if you're going to stare. It'll help me with my nerves, all right? Uh, but you know, uh, there's not a person in this room tonight. If we was to set a chair right down here and ask you to come up here and sit down and let us all stare at you. Uh, listen, there's not a person in this room that would want to do that. Nobody likes to be stared at. And I think it's safe to say by the time you get to the end of verse number one, we've come to this conclusion that Jesus is in a hard place, isn't he? I read that one day and I thought to myself, why in the world would Jesus even go into that house? They don't want to hear what he has to say. They're not there to break bread with him. They're there to trap him. They're there to work against him. They, they hated his doctrine. They hated his miracles. They hated his words. They hated his witness. They hated everything about him, but yet they invited him to come and he accepted the invitation to a hard place. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on that subject on hard places. Hard places. 
I read that and I thought, Lord, why would you sit in a hard place? Why would you even show up in a, in a, in a hard place? Uh, why would you come there to, to serve in a, in a hard place? I mean, uh, when you consider this subject tonight, uh, uh, listen, it don't even make sense to me that Jesus would go down and sit with this crowd uh, because this crowd is out to get him. This crowd is out to trap him. This crowd is, is out to hurt him. They, they want Jesus dead, but he accepts the invitation anyway. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He never turned down an invitation. Amen. It doesn't matter who invited him. It doesn't matter what their motive was. It didn't matter how sorry and low down they were. Jesus never turned down an invitation. He'd go anywhere with anybody. Amen. He just loved men that much. And in this text tonight, he accepts an invitation into a hard place. Nobody likes hard places. There's hard places in life. I would dare say in a room this size tonight, a congregation this size, there's no telling how many people are sitting here tonight. You can already, we're still in verse number one, but you can already identify with Jesus. You've either been in a hard place or you're in a hard place tonight and you know exactly what it's like to be under the pressure. Your hard place may be something to do with your family. It may be something ministry related. It may be something financial. It may be something physical. I don't know what your hard place is tonight, but immediately when announced the subject and we thought about our Lord, you thought about the place that you're in or you've been in. You know what it is to be in a hard place. Oh, I tell you, if I had life the way that I wanted, I'd never have another hard place in life. If I could have ministry any way that I wanted it, everything I ever did for God would just turn out good. You ever been around people like that? I mean, listen, you, you know, some people, every Sunday's a great Sunday. Every, every, every sermon they preach is a great sermon. Every invitation, they see results. I know some of y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, there's some people, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, they put it all out there. Life is just grand and life is just glorious uh, and everything is just picture perfect and wonderful and maybe it is for them. I don't know, uh, but can I be honest? Can I be real with you tonight? Uh, it just doesn't work that way for me all the time. Uh, uh, sometimes I'll preach and, and God will touch me and can I be honest with you? Sometimes I preach and I don't know if he ever even showed up. Let's just be real. Sometimes you preach to a house full and sometimes you preach to a handful. Sometimes things happen and you pray and you touch heaven and sometimes you pray and you don't know if your prayers even get above the ceiling. Sometimes I trust God with all my heart and sometimes I lean to my own understanding. Sometimes I step out on faith and sometimes I don't have the faith hardly to even pick myself up. You may not be there. I'm telling you, there's some hard places in life. It'll just bring you to the point. You just kind of strips you of all that superfluity and of all that type of, listen, facade. And it just brings you to the point where you just recognize that you need God in your life. Amen. You get past trying to impress people. You get past trying to prove anything to people. Tell you get in a hard place, you'll get real in a hurry. You get in a hard place, you, you won't try to promote anything. You'll just need God to pull you out of where you're at. 
And I thought about it. I was reading that one day and I thought, Lord, why would you go to that place? I mean, if it was me, I mean, I'm not the smartest person, but I tell you, if a chief Pharisee, if I was one of the apostles, in fact, I would even say this. I don't know if they was around when he got the invitation, but if he was, I'm sure somebody was doubting the situation. Probably Thomas, amen. I mean, probably Thomas thought a chief Pharisee inviting Jesus over to break bread, something like, listen, that ain't adding up too much. I'm sure if, so, if Peter was there, he probably said, now, Lord, you may want to consider, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but you might want to consider the situation. Uh, they're not going to have cat head biscuits over there. Uh, they're not going to have some uh, cornbread in a skillet. I mean, I know that's what they're telling you, Lord, uh, but there's got to be an ulterior motive. They got to be something. Uh, something just smells fishy about this whole story. I'll tell you something. Jesus knew he was going in a hard place. And he went in there anyway. You ever wonder why God lets you go through hard times, hard places? You ever wonder why God puts you in that church? You ever wonder why God puts you on that mission field? You ever wonder why God gave you that job? You ever wonder why you go through things in life and, and, and God knew it was there, but he didn't remove it. He allowed it to be so. You ever wonder why God just lets things happen in our life on purpose? Jesus, why would you go in that house? I think there's four reasons here. I'll give them to you and be done. I think the first reason Jesus went in this hard place was to deliver a man. Because verse two says, and behold, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. There was a lot of men in that room. They, there was lawyers and, and there was Pharisees in that room. I mean, there was some rich men in that room. There was some religious men in that room. But the Bible in verse number two is not highlighting any of those men that the Bible talks about later. Those that gave him the invitation, those that was plotting against him, those that was trying to work against him. And it's not the man that the, the men that the Bible is talking about. There's another man in that room. And can I tell you something about that man? He's a single man. The Bible says uh, he's a certain man. Uh, in fact, God took time in verse two uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost uh, uh, to highlight him. We don't know his name. Uh, we don't know his age, but we know he's a single man. Uh, uh, he's one in that room that God has highlighted. Uh, we know that he's a sinner man uh, and that he's a sick man. Uh, uh, he's got an ailment. He's got, he's got a sickness about him. Uh, I mean, to anybody else, in this room he doesn't mean anything oh but God saw this man and can I tell you something about this man he's got something in common with Jesus he's sitting in that same place he's in a hard place too I mean he didn't ask to be there he sure wasn't invited there to, be, to eat bread they wasn't no more interested in giving him a piece of bread than they what, what, what they were giving Jesus a piece of bread you say brother Gravely, what are you saying I'm saying that old boy in a hard place too and this is how Jesus is if he knows somebody's in a hard place he just can't leave them there all by themselves he's going to get in that hard place with them he's going to go to where they're at he's going to come to their rescue I'm telling you Jesus went in this hard place to deliver the one man that could be delivered hallelujah Woo! hallelujah 
I've been in some hard places, haven't you? There have been some times I felt like that old boy. I was sitting there all by myself. Have you ever felt like everybody was against you? Have you ever felt like you've been backed in a corner? Have you ever felt like you had nobody on your side? Have you ever felt like nobody knew where you was at or what you was going through? And about that time, guess who showed up? The same one that showed up in this verse. The same one that showed up in his hard place. He showed up in your hard place. You were that certain man. I was that certain man. And he came to where we was to deliver us. Hallelujah. He didn't leave them Hebrew boys in the fire by themselves. Well, you talk about a hard place. That was a hard place. I'll tell you something, before they got there, he was there, amen? He welcomed them in that hard place. I'm glad I serve a God tonight. He won't leave you when you're in the valley, amen? I'm glad we serve a God tonight. He won't leave you in the hard places of life. He'll get down there with you. He'll go through the hard times. You say, Brother Gravely, I'm going through a hard time. I'm in a hard place, and that may be true, but I'll tell you, you're not in it by yourself. God's not left you. He's not abandoned you and if he's with you tonight thank God he's going to bring you through that hard place he's going to get you out Jesus why would you go to a hard place to deliver a man there's somebody in that room that needs my help I would say secondly tonight not only to deliver a man but I would say to define a moment Because verse number three says, and Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? You see the subject at the table is the Sabbath day. The reason they brought Jesus here on this particular day is because it's the Sabbath day. It's a trap because they want Jesus to do something on the Sabbath day. Can I tell you something? As Christ walks in this room in verse number one and he sits down at the table, these men have already gathered there. Jesus is one of the last ones, if not the last one to enter this room. He walks into this room. They're already sitting at the table. They've already established everything. It's gonna all be about the Sabbath day. And as Christ sits down at the table, they watch him. They stare at him. They try to intimidate him. They try to put him in a corner and they're gonna bring this subject up at the right moment at the right time but can I tell you something about Jesus he's not intimidated he's not going to try to skirt around the issue he doesn't even give them a chance he breaks the silence all of a sudden and brings up the very subject that they thought they had him on can I tell you something you're not going to back God in a corner friend the devil's tried to do it too many times and he comes out a loser every single time I'm telling you my friend listen He's not intimidated by the situations and the circumstances of life. He'll take any moment of time, no matter how hard it may be, and he will define the moment. He will be the center of it. He will take the situation. He'll take the circumstance. I don't know how he does it, but he always has a way. He always has an answer. He always has a plan. He can always work it in the middle. He can always do what needs to be done whenever it needs to be done he'll break the silence every time and he'll help us hallelujah how many times in our life 
Have we been in hard places? And we could talk about the hard places. But tonight, if we was to go around and talk about the hard places, your hard place would seem different than my hard place. What your story would say would be a little bit different than what my story. We didn't go through the exact same thing. We didn't experience the exact same thing. But can I tell you something? We all have that same defining moment in our life. We would all tell the story. We would all lay out the circumstances. How can I tell you something? The bottom line's gonna be the same in your hard place and in mine. You say, what do you mean? I'm saying the defining moment of a hard place is but God, amen? I'm telling you, here's how the testimony would go. Uh, Brother Randy, I was in a hard place. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was backed in a corner. Couldn't you say that? Uh, couldn't you say that? Uh, didn't know which way to turn. Uh, uh, the odds were stacked against us. Uh, didn't have the resources. Didn't have the answer. Oh, but God. Amen. Uh, he defines the moment. Uh, he takes the circumstance. He takes the situation. He takes the problem uh, that looks so bad uh, and he turns it into something so good. Hallelujah. In fact, some of our best testimonies is not when we were in good places. It was when we was in hard places. If we're guilty of anything, you know what we're guilty of? God being good to us and us forgetting all about it. Amen. How many times has God been good to us? And the preacher get up and say, anybody got a word of testimony? And it's a moment of silence. Amen. And God's been good to every one of us. And we just sit there sometime. Oh, but I tell you, if you've been in a hard place and God stepped right in the middle of your hard place and he defined the moment, he came on the scene, he came to your rescue. He came to your aid. You go back to that next service and you won't even wait for the preacher to ask for somebody to say something. You'll jump to your feet and say, I just got to say a word. I was in a hard place. I didn't know what I was going to do. But God, he defined the moment. He became real once again in my life. I want to say I think he went to this hard place to define the moment. Because God is never seen more clearly than when he's seen in a hard place. And can I tell you tonight, he stepped in this place. And the Bible says he asked them, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they did what a lot of Baptists do sometimes in verse 4. They held their peace. They didn't say anything. Jesus brings up the subject. Lord, why would you even go there to deliver a man? To define a moment. To show him that I'm the same God in the hard places that I am in the easy places. And then I think in verse number four, he went in this hard place to demonstrate a miracle. Because the Bible says that when they held their peace, I like this, the Bible says, and he took him and healed him. And let him go. Jesus does three things in this man's life. He takes him. He heals him. And he lets him go. Lord, why would you go to a hard place? I'll tell you why I go to a hard place. To deliver a man. 
I'll tell you why I go to a hard place to define a moment, to show them I'm God. I'll tell you why I go to a hard place to demonstrate a miracle. He's an old boy in that hard place. He needs a miracle. If he don't get a miracle, he's going to leave the same way he came. If he don't get a miracle, he's going to leave disappointed because he's not going to give him no bread. That religious crowd isn't going to do anything for him. He's nothing more than a decoy. But can I tell you to Jesus Christ, he was more than a decoy. He was a soul that needed a savior. Amen. And Jesus stepped in the middle of that old boy's hard place and performed a miracle. I'm telling you, listen, this old boy might have thought it might have happened, amen, if he was out somewhere hearing Jesus preach. It might have happened if he was somewhere where Jesus was passing by and they were just touching the hem of his garment and being healed. But this boy didn't get healed in that type of situation. He got healed in one of the most difficult places you could ever get healed. He wasn't in an easy place. He wasn't at a camp meeting somewhere. He wasn't out there on a hillside hearing Jesus preach. He is in a room with a bunch of lawyers and Pharisees. Why, he is in a place he didn't even belong. And guess what? Jesus can show up in places like that. He showed up and he showed out for this old boy. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know because the Bible don't say, but there might be an indication there in verse four about what I'm going to say. Jesus is one of the last people to walk in this house. And he sits down at this table. When I was reading that the other day, I thought, I wonder where the Lord sat. I don't know how they're seated in this room, but I kindly don't think this old boy with a dropsy sitting between a lawyer and a Pharisee. (laughs) I don't think they brought him in and pulled him up to the table and said, now, son, you come sit right down here between. I mean, this is is Mr. Chief Pharisee right here, and this is the head lawyer, and and you, you, you you sit right here. No, they didn't like publicans and sinners. They weren't friends to them. So in my mind, I picture it like this. Jesus walks into this room and he walks in and and you got a lawyer right here and another lawyer and another lawyer and another lawyer and you got a Pharisee and a Pharisee and a Pharisee and and another Pharisee. I mean, they all kind of like, you know, running with their own crowd, you know. And maybe in the corner or down there at the very back, you got an old boy with the dropsy. And Jesus walks in. I don't know where he sat exactly. But according to verse 4, he had to sit close enough to reach out and touch him. Because the Bible said he took him. I'm telling you, I kindly think in my mind, Brother Randy, he came in the room and he bypassed Mr. Chief Pharisee. He bypassed Mr. Law. I mean, isn't that the way Jesus is? If he is to walk into this room, you know what? who he would sit next to? The person we would least expect it, amen? He's not gonna sit next to the most popular person. He's not gonna sit next to the most prominent person. Oh, Jesus would just kind of slip in is what he would do. He'd probably sit next to somebody that nobody even wanted to sit next to. I mean, that's what he did, amen, and he's sitting next to this old boy, and he saw him, his need, and Jesus isn't going to let anybody leave with a need in their life, and this old boy is sitting there, he talks to the lawyers and the Pharisees, they don't have anything to say about what he asked them, and so he turns to this boy, and he takes him, he pulls him over, and the Bible says that he heals him, he touches him, he transforms his life, he demonstrates a miracle right in front of a crowd that doesn't even care about the miracle. 
You know, sometimes you get in some hard places and you wonder, why has God even got me here? Because it's in that place. He's going to do a miracle. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have to confess something. When I first started reading this story, I thought, man, I'm glad I'm not going in that room. I mean, that sounds like some churches I've been in. You ever been there? I'm glad I'm not in there. But when you get to verse number four, I think to myself, oh, I'd have liked to have been sitting there. I'd like to have seen the look on all them Pharisees' face. They knew he was going to do it. That's why they brought him in here. They knew he wasn't going to, there's no way Jesus is going to walk in and break bread and have a discussion and act like that sinner doesn't exist. Amen. There's no way he's going to go through the religious formality of church and worship and everything else and walk out that door and let that boy leave the same way he came. I'm telling you, anytime a sinner gets in the presence of Jesus Christ, they're not going to leave the same way they came. Amen. And Jesus saw his need. He reached out and got a hold of him. He touched him. He transformed him and then he turned him loose hallelujah Bible said he let him go in plain old Georgia language he leaned over and told that a boy now the best thing you can do is get out of here (laughs) you got what you need he probably told that a boy there ain't gonna be no biscuits tonight amen (laughs) turned him loose boy I tell you that's what God did one day in my life I was a 13-year-old bus kid. Walked in a little storefront church one day on a hot July summer morning. Lost without God. I was sin sick. Remember that day when you were sin sick? I needed Jesus in my life. I didn't even, I was like you, so boy, I didn't know how bad I even needed him. But I'll tell you, he walked in that room one day. He reached out and did to me the same thing he did to this old boy. Thank God he touched me, amen. How many of you tonight can say he's touched you? I'm telling you, it must have been the hand of the Lord. You say, why? Because I'm not what I used to be, hallelujah. I'm not much, but can I tell you something tonight? I'm not what I used to be, thank God. He touched me, and then you know what he did? He turned me loose, amen. He got me out of the situation I was in. He got me out of the hard place. I'm telling you, not just then, but there have been a whole lot of miracles along the way. There been some times I felt like I was in some hard places. But the same Jesus had showed up the day he saved me. He showed up in all them other hard places. And thank God he performed one miracle on that day. But he's performed a lot of miracles, thank God. And he's turned me loose. He's let me go. He's got me out of the situation I was in. See, you may be in a hard place tonight, but you hold on. He's going to let you go. He's going to get you out. And I've got good news for you. According to this text, you're not the last person leaving your hard place. Jesus let that boy get out of that hard place before he got out of it. I'm going to tell you something. God ain't leaving your hard place until you got out of it. 
He is God before you got there. He'll be God when you're out of there. You say, why is that? Because I kind of feel like word got outside. Hey, I tell you, what happened to you? Where's the dropsy at? I'll tell you what, a bunch of Pharisees invited me over for, uh, for breakfast, amen. Uh, and you ain't gonna believe who else they invited uh, and who showed up uh, in walk Jesus. Uh, and he touched me, uh, he healed me, uh, and he leaned over and said, son, get out of here, amen. Uh, and he said, I, I'll tell you what, when word spread, uh, I kind of think that's lining up the door, amen. Uh, somebody else wanted in that hard place. Uh, I'm telling you, Jesus knows. Uh, it's gonna be others. Uh, and it's gonna pass through hard places. Uh, and we've got to go through them. Uh, and because it's in the hard places of life uh, that God demonstrates uh, his miracles, hallelujah. And I think he went in this hard place last to deliver a message. In verse five, he's got something he wants to say to this crowd. He's gonna preach them a sermon in one verse. Isn't that the way God is? He can just say so much and so little. And what he says to this crowd is personal. Look what he said in verse five, and he answered them saying, which of you? It's personal. Which of you? He looks all around that table. This crowd hasn't said anything. They've just been watching the whole time. And Jesus brings the sermon down and makes it personal. And then he makes it real practical. I was preaching with a guy one time. And uh, he was a real smart man. In fact, he was so smart. I asked the preacher, I said, can I please preach before him? I said, I sure don't want to preach after him. And when I got through, he got up, he said, well, I love Brother Gravely. He said, he's a real practical preacher. I looked at the guy sitting next to me. I said, was that a compliment or was that a cut down? I can't tell. I said, because I think he just called me stupid. <laughs> you can go ahead and laugh. I laughed about it. But then I thought to myself, Jesus knew more than anybody. He could have blew these lawyers' mind. He could have blew these Pharisees' mind. But you know what he did? He just takes a farmer illustration. He takes something so practical. You know, preaching ought to be practical. And preaching ought to be personal. And preaching ought to be pointed. Because Jesus now is going to bring up the subject again. He's not going to let it go. He said, which of you have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? Jesus said, you boys want to talk about the Sabbath day? Let's talk about it. I'm going to heal this boy on the Sabbath day and I'm going to give you a sermon on the Sabbath day. And I like God's sermons. They're full of questions. He said, you'd pull an ass or an ox out of a ditch on the Sabbath day. How much more this old boy? I like sermons that are pointed, don't you? But I'll tell you when I really like a sermon that's pointed, when I'm in a hard place. I'm going to tell you something. All preaching will help us. We know that, don't we? John 3.16 helped everybody in this room tonight. But I'll tell you, when you get in a hard place and God takes a sermon and he points it at you, it'll help you. Because it becomes personal. It becomes practical and it became pointed. Jesus, why would you go in a hard place? I need to deliver a message. I'm going to tell you, 
most preaching is in hard places. It ain't all in the, in the, in the easy places. Most witnessing is in hard places. Most serving God is in hard places. You go into church and you see a preacher preaching in a good church or pastor in a church and God's blessing. That's wonderful. Hey, but that's just a reward for the labor that he does for through the week. I'm telling you, serving God, it doesn't matter the mission field. It doesn't matter the church you pastor. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. It doesn't matter if it's a good church or bad church in your eyes. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter, listen, who you are, where you're at. I'm telling you, there's hard places all over this walk of life and you've not been in the last one, amen? But I want to tell you tonight, God will let you you shine the brightest in a hard place. Somebody needs a sermon. Somebody needs a message. Somebody needs a witness. And you're going to have to go to some hard places and I'm going to have to go to some hard places in life so the message can be delivered. Amen. I'll tell you what the text proves tonight and I'm done. It proves this. That God has people in hard places. And that God has purpose in hard places and that our God has power in hard places. Tonight as we stand, are you in a hard place? While we stand as they get us an invitation, ready, preacher said, give an invitation.